Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. We are at a pivotal time in society where we have become so far immersed in modern existence that we need to take a step back and view life through a more meaningful and spiritual lens. Hawaii, with its breadth of cultural richness and deeply rooted traditions, is one of those lenses that we can use. My guest Kainoa Danes is here to give us insight into the wisdom and traditions of his beautiful island culture. Kainoa Danes is the Senior Director of Brand for the Hawaii Visitors and Convention Bureau and a member of the Royal Order of Kamehameha I. He is a resident of Honolulu with roots on all major Hawaiian islands. During this interview, Kainoa is going to share time-honored wisdom, teachings, and practices that can help us live more meaningful lives. He'll also talk about some common misconceptions about Hawaiian culture, language, and local folklore. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hi, Kainoa. How are you doing today? Good. Aloha, Celine. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thank you for being here. I know it's pretty early out there uh, in Honolulu, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, the sun is not risen yet. <laughs> what uh, what's there. the season out there right now? We have two seasons: summer and rain ish. It's um, or more spring and summer. <laughs> Those are our two seasons, and so we're heading into early spring. I guess you know winter. You call it winter, but it just means a little more rain for us here. But it's still going to be in the. 70s low 80s it's still it might mm. get a little cooler in the evening it might dip into the 60s you know we're gonna yeah. put sweaters on <laughs> so that, yeah, sounds, it's, it's lovely. that sounds lovely yeah it is year-round so you know it's what i'm used to born and raised in honolulu yeah. um so when you know for us christmas we're at the beach um you know it's just not you know it's not something you know the holidays winter holidays in general um you know we see all the snow on television but you know, we do have snow here, though. On some of our very, very high volcanic peaks, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, you snow. have a lot of volcanoes out there. We do have a lot of volcanoes out here. Um, thankfully, most of them are extinct, <laughs> except for that on the island of Hawaii, where there is still activity there. Um, and there were some recent lava flows in the not too distant past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just new life and growth and. We learn to live with it and we've personified the volcano. Um, you know, we have our volcano goddess, you know, Pele, and we revert, we revere her and, and in essence, revering nature um, and, and all the elements that come with it. You know, that's a very Hawaiian philosophy as it is across the, 
natural, you know, native peoples, indigenous world. You know, I'm Hawaiian on my mom's side, actually Hawaiian Chinese on my mom's side. And then my dad's from Utah. But, um, you know, we believe in, in very much respecting nature. You know, for example, Hawaiians didn't understand the idea of land ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, as Mother Earth, how do you own your mother? You, you don't own your mother. She takes care of you and you take care of her. So, you know, that, that kind of relationship. So, yeah, we, we love our, um, our natural elements here. And when there's extra rain and everyone's visiting during the holidays, they're like, why is there so much rain? It's like, well, why do you think everything's green? And we have rainbows everywhere. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> so Right. Right. Suck it up, buttercup. Get an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> but they all come there. They want to surf and they want to like. Yes. Tan. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It might rain yeah. in the morning, like during the, the rainy season, which is starting. It might rain in the morning for like 20 minutes. It might be raining uh-huh. in the afternoon for 20 minutes. And it's usually a nice, gentle, you know, we might get a torrential once in a while, but you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Come see right. us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, there are so many aspects about your your beautiful culture that you talk about in your new book, Island Wisdom, oh. which is a very informative read with gorgeous, gorgeous photos. So um, it's going to be great unpacking some of that with you uh, during yeah, our cool. conversation today. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to, you know, our photographer, um, dear friend of mine, she reached out right before my co-author reached out to me. They both reached out to me almost in the same week asking if they wanted they wanted to work on a project handing my co-author about the book specifically to which i said no and i'll tell you more about that in a second but liz our photographer she reached out she said i want to work on a project with you i was like i have nothing and then and then like a, and then when i finally said yes to annie i said actually i might have a project for you um you know so she took these amazing photos we went all around the islands the three of us you know following with interviews and getting the, the photos and the pictures and, you know, it really captures the essence of Hawaii. Yeah. 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 A lot of portraits. And I think taking those yes. photos of your, your native people just really mm-hmm. captured the, the spirit of, of yeah, the island. That's islands. the wisdom part. That's the wisdom yes. part. I think, you know, they had already um, Chronicle who published the book. They named the book already. And, and, you know, I love it now, but when they first asked me if I'd like to co-author a book, titled Island Wisdom. I said no, because I was like, well, I, I'm, so I, my day job, I work at the Hawaii Visitors Bureau and I'm Hawaii Visitors and Convention Bureau. And I'm basically the cultural person. I manage all the cultural, making sure the language is correct, cultural imagery, et cetera. You know, so I know my way around the Hawaiian culture, but by, own, by no means would I ever call myself an expert. So writing a book called Island Wisdom was like a big bullseye on my back. Like, no I way. Like it. I, I know who the experts are. And so to your to your point in your note there, portraits. And so I said, I, I if, if if I'm a funnel and I can funnel this wisdom from my 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 family and friends who I know who are leaders in the community and, and masters of hula and song and dance and storytelling, then yeah, I'm in. And they said that's all we that's what we meant. We meant for you know to help channel that. So that's how it came to be was yeah. being able to be that funnel. I was like, hell, I mean, heck yes, I'm I'm in, let's do this. It was so exciting at that point to be able to reach out to friends and family, like, you want to, you want, do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to be in a book with me? Like, let's, <laughs> you know, do this together. And it was very, yeah. um, yeah, you the wheels just a, started turning. You did a great job. I really, you did. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Oh. But as the ambassador of your country, what do you, what are some of the biggest things that you think most people get wrong about your culture? Mm, I love it. Um, 
But I love that you said ambassador for your country because Hawaii is the only state that was once a former country. Um, rather monarchy. I should say monarchy because um, there are other parts of the U.S. that were their own, you know, our native tribes are, you know, in their own sense, their own countries. But um, Hawaii, if you've ever seen the Hawaiian flag, and there's a few flying back here behind me, I just realized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I can see them. So if you yeah. notice what's here on the corner, yeah. That's the Union Jack. Why would the Union Jack for the for Great Britain be on a state flag? And so this goes back to our history that Hawaii once being an independent monarchy, this flag was designed by King Kamehameha I and Captain James Cook, the discoverer, the navigator, mm -hmm. voyager. And um, this was an allegiance that Hawaii had to Britain and later recognized by other 27 treaties with other countries, our own language, our own... Um, culture, our own, you know, a monarchy with kings and queens, and we still have palaces today um, that are that are here in Honolulu and on the island of Hawaii. And so that diversity that we have as now the 50th state um, really does stand us apart from our 49 other brothers and sisters um, with this rich, diverse culture. We're the only state with two official languages, um, Hawaiian and English. Every other state, all 49 are English only for official, like in court or writing a check or, you know, for whatever reason, Hawaii, we can, Hawaiian. Um, we're the only state where our, na our state anthem is a former national anthem written in the Hawaiian language. Every other state's in English. Our, our state anthem is in Hawaiian. Um, you know, we have state holidays that celebrate monarchy. Um, I'm in charge of the King Kamehameha Day celebration festivities statewide, and we're celebrating a king. We have a day off to celebrate a king and it parades in his honor, et cetera. And which king? You know, King Kamehameha. So he unified Hawaii. Um, Hawaiian chief. He, he started unifying the island of Hawaii in the 1770s and 80s. And then he began unifying through warfare, unfortunately, but through warfare, he began unifying each island. Um, so in 1810, he finally unified for the first time in recorded mm -hmm. history all the Hawaiian islands. So the first time in recorded history, we have one king over all of us. Um, and then the monarchy went from there. There was Kamehameha II, the third, the fourth. So we had a very diverse um, cultural history and background. Again, so different from everybody else. And so being able to share that, you know, in my day job and through this book, I mean, it's such an exciting opportunity to say, hey, we don't live in grass shacks anymore. We do have electricity and, and, run, and running water and plumbing. And in fact, our palace had all that before the White House did. Thank you very much. Um, so there, you know, but it's exciting to share that that message because a lot of people, they think about Hawaii as sun, sand, and surf. They think about Hawaii as pineapple, hula, Pearl Harbor. Wrestling. Hula dancers. Yep. And, and they think about the bobblehead hula dancer versus, you know, the ancient protocols of, of our, you know, to our deities and, our, and to our chiefs. And, you know, there's this such um, depth to the culture that people, um, so segueing sort of, you know, when people would ask me, well, how do I learn more about this culture? How do I learn more about this, you know, place? I would always recommend the autobiography of our last queen, Queen Lilit Wokalani, who was overthrown in 1893. We were annexed by America in 1898. We became a territory in 1900, stayed in 1959. There's our quick end history of, of that monarchy. Her autobiography really was a snapshot of Hawaii's history. So I'd recommend that book, but it was kind of heavy reading, you know? And so I'm proud to be able to, after 20 years in the visitor industry, 
um, and, and being a part of the Hawaiian community through hula, civic engagement, et cetera, um, being able to merge all of that and help to come up with something that helps people to better understand beyond hula, you know, yes. beyond bohinos, you know, and yes. why those are still important to us, yes. you know, they're still part of our culture, but there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. 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 And uh, how do you feel about how Hawaii is portrayed in pop culture? I remember learning about the culture through a couple of Disney movies like Stitch and uh, Moana. I don't know if is uh, Moana based on Hawaiian traditions Moana or just Pol- Polynesian? Pacific, yeah. So okay. with Moana, I was so I was really disappointed with Lilo and Stitch. Oh no! Because I thought that's all we get. You know, you've got all these other cultures who have their story stories being told. Yeah. Um, so I thought that's all we get. And then Moana comes out. I'm like, oh, all right. Um, yeah. But Moana So it was is, close. It was closer. Did it hit home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And so Moana, we actually had Hawaiian advisors on Moana. But Moana is also very Polynesian Pacific Island, like you said. So mm-hmm. they incorporate Tahiti, Samoa, Fiji, mm-hmm. uh I think New Zealand is, you know, because even the actors, you hear their accents and they're yeah. from all over the Pacific Ocean. But what we call Moana Nui Akea, which is the blue continent, we look at the Pacific Ocean, um, not as scattered islands, but as we're connected by the water, as one big peoples um, celebrating our, our shared culture and past. Because Hawaiians came from Tahiti and the Marquesas Islands over 2000 plus years ago made their way to Hawaii with nothing but faith. They got in their canoes, looked at the star chart in the sky above and said, let's hit it. And they made their way north and then they stayed here and they evolved into what became the Hawaiian and Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian people. Um, but we all still, you know, have an affinity. You feel for each connected. Other yeah. Our language, yeah. Our, our cultures are still very connected. Maui is a perfect example. The God, the demigod Maui, he pulled up the islands in our mythology. He was given a magic fish hook by his grandmother. He said, Grandma, we need more land. So she said, Grandson, take this fish hook. Tell your brothers to paddle as hard as they can, but not to look back. Not to look back until you're done fishing. So he casts his line out and he snags the bottom of the land, of the mm-hmm. bottom of the seafloor and begins pulling. And his brothers are like, Maui, what did you pull up? And he's like, don't look, don't look. And so they're paddling and their curiosity got the best of them. They looked over their shoulder and what they saw was the tops of what would have been, again, in the story of a giant landmass. But they just got the mountaintops because they peaked. And the land wow. and the mountaintops became the Hawaiian Islands. And that story is true in Tonga. That story is true in New Zealand. I mean, true, meaning their native people share that story of Maui. And so we have a lot of similarities. So Moana was Disney's way of (laughs) sharing about the Pacific. But unlike stories of, you know, more, you know, older Disney movies, they had cultural advisors guiding them. and, And we actually have Moana now for children in Hawaii. That's all in the Hawaiian language. You know, so little children who speak Hawaiian can watch Moana and listen to Moana in Olelo Hawaii or the Hawaiian language. And oh. I think that's cool because their language took a hit. Yeah. Um, 1896, it was outlawed as a medium of education. Yeah. So my great grandparents were the last two in my, well, last generation of my family to speak it fluently. So my grandmother didn't speak it. She understood words, you know, but she spoke English to my mom and her siblings. And so my mom, English to me and my sister, um, 
So I had to learn it in high school as an elective language. And so it's resurging and coming back. So having movie, mainstream movies like Moana in Hawaiian is really excellent for the next generation. Exactly. And speaking of languages, the most famous Hawaiian word is aloha. And I was surprised to learn that there's so much meaning embedded yeah. in that word. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, it can be broken down into individual letters and each letter represents a cultural virtue. Could you please sure. break down those values yeah. for us? So I, I happy to. So yeah, aloha is a spirit. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a way of life. And we dedicate an entire chapter in Island Wisdom to aloha. And we could have written a whole book about it. In fact, one of the main questions that we asked each of our 20 interviewees um, was, what does aloha personally mean to you? And each one of them, uh, Annie and I dubbed it the aloha side, because each of them were like, oh, okay. Because it's such a big question for us as Hawaiians when you stay at a personal level. So to the audience now, perhaps they, they hear the word aloha, hello, goodbye, and love. Those are generally the three things that people think of it. And to your to your question, alo. Right now we are alo. Well, technically we're on computer, but we are face to face with one another. That's alo. And ha, if we were in the same room together, we'd be sharing this breath that everybody shares. It's the one thing that connects all of us. I mean, we technically are sharing the same. You're you're just in a different part of the U.S., um, but we all share that you know that that connection with each other. And there's nothing more intimate than the thing that keeps us alive, the breath we breathe, the air that we need to survive. And so aloha, aloha, you know, eventually comes together to be this sustaining force between two people. And so when the missionaries arrived in 1820, they saw this exchange of aloha between people and they just began, they assigned the word hello. You know, we say it again as we departed, aloha. Again, sharing in that essence as we depart um, because it's not so much a goodbye, uh, uh, you know, like we'd say in English. It's more of an I'll see you again. So here's my presence and my breath in the meantime, right? So oh. to your other point, the acronym, it's more of a modern acronym, but it was it was embedded into the Hawaii state law in the 1980s where you break down the A-L-O-H-A, a little aloha in our day. It's a song that, sorry. Um, so the A, the first A um, yeah. is uh, Akahai. And Akahai means to be kind and tender. And, and it's beautiful because this is in the Hawaii State Constitution. Again, no other state has a, has a law. It's called the Aloha Spirit Law. Um, and it starts out with talking about the coordination of mind and heart within each person. The law literally starts out defining Aloha as the coordination of mind and heart. And at first, when I was younger, I was like, what does that mean? But when you make a decision, how do we make decisions? With two things, with our logic, our mind. And our heart, our feelings. And sometimes you're pulled in too much logic, too much heart, and your decision might get skewed. But through aloha, you find balance. And so that's um, the L. So A is kindness, akahai. L is lokahi, the Hawaiian word lokahi, which mm -hmm. means unity, being together. But lokahi also means harmony and balance. And so you and I can be singing the same song, mm -hmm. but if we're singing it at different keys, we might sound kind of off. Yes. So we each have something to contribute to whatever it is that we're doing. So that balance and harmony. So akahai, lokahi, and then o, olu, olu. Yeah, it stands for pleasant and just nice, just being just being pleasant. Right. And I think that's a that's something that if we all just thought about, and this is like this genuine, not surface, you know, but like genuine pleasantness, it kind of just automatically comes back to you. 
Um, H is ha'a ha'a. So we have akahai, lokahi, oluolu, ha'a ha'a. Ha'a ha'a means humility, but wrapped in modesty. Yeah, so not oh, just being that. humble, but being yeah. modest in it, yeah, because it takes it to a different level. I know. And last but not and least. And boy, don't we need that. We need it in this every day. day. Every oh. day. But the last one for us, I think, is, is my favorite because it's the most difficult for us as human beings. And the last one is ahonui, which means patience. Mm. But what they did here is they added perseverance to this because maybe right now is not the time. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'll send that. I'm angry now. I'm going to respond to that email. But ooh, maybe I'll send it in the morning after I've had a chance to sleep on it breathe, think about it. First thing in the morning, like, I'm not mad anymore. I'm deleting that angry email because you waited till the moment with Aloha for yourself, right? Because you got to, you know, you got to take care of yourself too. But then for the other person, you're about to send that scathing email to. So, akahai, lokahi, oluolu, ha'aha'a, ahonui, kindness, unity, um, happiness, uh, humility, and patience really just uh, helps to break down this regard for each other, relationships, and our queen is quoted in the law. She defined it, she defined aloha as to hear what is not heard, to see what cannot be seen, and to know the unknowable. And in some ways, she was referring to faith, right? But it was also just faith in each other, right? That, you know, I can, with aloha, I can see you're hurting. With aloha, I can see you need patience. I can, for me, I can see you need um, kindness or you need some balance in life because I'm really connecting with you right now. And when I do that with you, I think automatically just because, you know, when I'm re- you're really nice to somebody genuinely, mm-hmm. they're pretty nice to you. I mean, it's just That's kind of, true. We, just, we just call it aloha. It's a universal concept, but we've right. coined it and call it aloha. Beautiful. I mean, I can just imagine it on a poster. Like you can just put it on your room. Do you mm-hmm. have those? Because you can, you we know, do. just as a reminder. We do. We do have that 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 acronym breakdown with parts of the law. Guidelines that you can just keep in mind every single day yeah. of your life. Yeah, we do. It's in it's in a lot of um, human resources offices. Is it? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> or, why. Or I, immediately, I got an image up in my mind, and I'm like, we have posters. We have posters. Okay, we we I'll need that. I'll send we you need one. that. I'll send Probably, you one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, we we need to know. I'm sure the listeners are like, can I get one? Where can I get one? <laughs> yeah, I'll find out where exactly they come from, and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, beautiful. Thank you for breaking th- that yeah. down for us, Kainoa. And another really really popular spiritual practice that comes from Hawaii is yeah. Hoponopono. Oh. Yeah, and so it's so popular. Um, and I actually did a workshop in it like about a decade ago with Dr. Hugh Lin. I don't know if you heard of him, but Dr. Hugh Lin, yeah, he's a very famous practitioner. I believe he passed here. away ear- earlier this year. Here, here uh, in Hawaii, no, 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 he was uh, he was in my town. So yeah, it was it was like so popular, like about a, 200 people attended that workshop. So why do you think it is so popular and so effective yeah. for, for everyone who practices well, it? First of all, tell us what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying to... So I'm not an expert in Ho'oponopono. Okay. Ho'oponopono is uh, um, something that has become 
for lack of a better word, commercialized. So practitioners yeah. of Ho'oponopono outside of Hawaii, I can't speak to where they got their information from. No disrespect to your class, your teacher. He was a Hawaiian. He's, Perfect. He's a so that's helpful. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because there are certain practices, like hula is another example, and I'll using it just as an example. People will watch a YouTube clip of uh, someone performing hula, learn it, and then call themselves a hula teacher and try to teach it to people. And that's not the way to learn or teach hula because hula, like Ho'oponopono, um, like other Hawaiian, many Hawaiian practices, take years of learning from a master who learned for years from a master. One of our... Um, in the hula community, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting to Ho'oponopono, I promise, but in the hula community, just because I'm not a, I do practice hula, but um, is who's your kumu? Kumu, K-U-M-U is the Hawaiian word for teacher. So when you ask somebody, who's your kumu? You're now putting out your, your hula genealogy on the table. I learned from these people, and this is reputable. It's like you're putting your resume out for people to see. As a hula practitioner, Here's my kumu, you, and you know, and people. My kumu is actually in Island Wisdom because I wanted that foundational knowledge to be shared. My kumu, you know, whenever I whenever I say his name, that I dance for Kahai Tapolinski, that Polish last name, everybody automatically knows my hula genealogy because his teacher wrote the Hawaiian language dictionary. You know, like his teacher, my teacher's teachers are like this. These, you know, so. They know, oh, Kainoa comes from that lineage. That So it's legitimate, if you will. And so Ho'opono and many other practices in Hawaiian culture, like Hawaiian medicines and other Hawaiian arts, is tricky. And, and so I'm not, not trying to answer it, but it's hard because Ho'oponopono is this connecting of people. So Pono, let me break that word down for you like we did Aloha. We don't have an acronym and a song and all of that, but Pono means to do what's right. Pono means to be righteous. Pono means to do things with right intention. And so ho'o in the Hawaiian language means to do, to enact. So now we're acting righteous, acting in the right way. So pono means righteousness or doing the right thing. And so ho'opono pono means to do, to engage in that. And so it doesn't mean forgiveness. The idea of ho'opono pono isn't that I forgive you. It, it is perhaps the end result, but the process is you and I, or let's say there's other folks who are having problems as well in our circle of friends, in our family, and we all sit down together. And I'm generalizing, and again, disclaimer, I'm not an expert in this practice. There's a lot of different Hawaiian practices. Ho'oponopono is not one I'm an expert in, but versed enough to share. So the idea is we all sit around together and we talk story. You know, it's our pigeon colloquial term of having conversation, just putting it all on the table. And I'm mad at you, Celine, for X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, you are? Well, I'm, you know, so it's, it's a chance for us to air out, to talk it out. And, and forgiveness may not happen, though. That's where I'm trying to get at is forgiveness is up to the individual. Is the individual receiving that acknowledgement or apology? Because it might not be an apology. It might be just simply, I acknowledge that you upset me. I acknowledge that you're upset or whichever it might be. 
deal with it. I mean, you know, it's again, each their own to how they process that information. And that's the process of Ho'oponopono. It's an ongoing check-in, if you will, with family and friends. There are people who are skilled, who are Ho'oponopono um, masters, if you will, who are more like mediators or moderators, who will sit down and guide that conversation. So, Celine, tell me more why Kainoa upset you. Kainoa, tell me what Celine did to you to help, you know, that you're in this place now or whatever it is. And that's the process of Ho'oponopono. So again, it may end in forgiveness. You might not be forgiving, though, of what I did, but at least you're aware. And then through this process, you now can think about it and decide what you want to do with that information. So that's the best way I can explain what Ho'oponopono is. And unfortunately, it's just kind of evolved into this um, mis misunderstanding. And I think the best way for anybody to learn more is when you come to Hawaii, you can't do Ho'oponopono like this, you know, and, and, I, and I can't speak for practitioners on the continent. I really don't know any there, but here there are so many that I know and love. I was just emailing one this morning um, who was a dear friend of mine. She's in the book. She's in the book and she's gone mm -hmm. through rigorous classes of uh, workshops for years to be able to be that moderator of a Ho'oponopono session for lack of a better word if you will so i okay. hope that answers the question yeah yeah it does i mean thank you so much for yeah. clar for clarifying that it's like aloha it's so much more than so much more than that yeah be. that's that's yeah. why i have you on the show to uh, you know tell <laughs> us about the real the real hawaii and the yeah. real you know what the spiritual parts of it like what people get wrong one more thing i wanted to ask you about uh yeah. was the the Hawaiian term for intuitive knowing is called na'au, which is directly connected to your connection with the land. So yep. um, tell us more about what na'au is about and how we can use it to tap into our intuition and gain a mm -hmm. sense of purpose. So perfect. I love that question. And that came up, you know, it's funny when we were writing the book, we hadn't really covered that concept yet. But there was an occurrence while we were traveling, you know, we went to all four major islands because there's eight Hawaiian major islands and 132 in the archipelago. But we were traveling between the four major, the larger Hawaiian islands. And something had happened that we weren't listening to our na'au. So our, your na'au is your gut, for lack of, you know, an English sort of definition, when you go with your gut, if you've heard that phrase. Oh, yeah. Um, it is your intuition. And so... When we felt something was off, it was funny, all three of us, Annie and Liz, the three of us were, we weren't quite communicating that we all felt off. They started realizing that they were off and they're like, oh, but how do we tell Kainoa because he's so strongly planted in this thought process? I'm not going to get into the detail of it, but then the next morning I said, guys, I have this feeling like, oh my goodness, thank gosh, you have that same feeling we did because we, it's, yeah. it's trusting your gut trusting that you're being guided by something bigger than you because mm -hmm. and it's like aloha right the logic the heart the mind making decisions but it's something that we um so in that sense it's not necessarily that it's connected to the land the land is us we are the land in that way yes and the land might be telling us something um but there's just you know you have those moments and especially if, you know if you're into this into spirituality which i very much am and very much follow my na'au when I'm like that decision I'm, I'm feeling funny 
I'm not, I am not doing it. You know, you just have to listen and listen. You have to have a quiet space and a quiet moment. And we talk about that in Island Wisdom, where sometimes what you have to do is unplug from social media, turn off your phone, go outside and sit in the grass under a tree, put your feet in a stream, put your feet in the beach if you're nearby, put them in the lake and just have a quiet moment because that quiet moment that the, the silence is so loud and it's here where you hear it in your na'au, in your gut, not your heart necessarily. For Hawaiians, it's your your guts, your, your na'au your, is your guts, your heart is something else, but it's just that pull that you have that I'm meant to be here right now or I'm not meant to be here right now and really listening to yourself and what your spirit guides the earth, what it's telling you to do. And that's what your na'au is. And so the moment we all three realize we are on the same page, Liz and Annie and I, we realize our na'au, collective na'au is telling us to not do that thing we were going to do and we didn't and we were better for it. You know, and again, that's later we, we thought about it. But yeah, it really is a guiding force that people don't listen to enough is that your gut intuition, listen, she or he is speaking to you and it's speaking to you and it's got a lot to say and it's your ancestors. You know, it's, in some ways it's your ancestors talking to you too because implanted in our DNA are our ancestors and they have so much wisdom to impart. And if you don't mind, I just want to share a Hawaiian phrase that kind of connects that together it's ikavama mua ikavama hope. Ikavama mua ikavama hope means to look look back, look to your past to help guide you forward. Because I think in Western idea is like never look back, move forward, forget the past. You know, no. But where have we been? We've been to places of mistake, places where we've made errors in our life, and if we're not learning from that, hello, we're gonna do it again. So looking back to our ancestors to guide us, because they're still with us in our hearts, in our na'au, you know, sitting on our shoulders, always around us. And we need to listen to them. You know, you can't see it here, but in my office, there are pictures of my family all over the walls. My great grandfather in front of me here, whenever I'm feeling kind of, oh, I don't know what to do. I look up and there he is. I'm like, okay, thank you, sir. You know, and he's, he's like my spiritual guide in a sense, but that's all embedded in our na'au looking and listening to that, guiding us forward, but because that's where the past lives. Beautiful. And you say in the book that storytelling is one way that you preserve uh, the yeah. wisdom of your elders. Uh, you write that Hawaiian culture is what it is today because of the storytellers throughout the years who have preserved our stories. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Kainoa, what are some of the most valuable philosophies and lessons that you've learned from your ancestors and your elders. Yeah. I love it. Um, <clears throat> you know, prior to the missionaries arriving in 1820, our language was oral only. We didn't have a written language. And so we had to memorize. Um, I often share whenever I do cultural training, I ask the group rather, not share, but I ask, how many of you can name all four grandparents? Yeah, okay. How many of you can now name their parents? And the room is like, oh, you know. Hawaiians could memorize over a thousand generations of genealogy wow. here because we had nowhere to write it. It was here and it was through repetition and storytelling and chant and hula. Hula would help, you know, if there's an epic battle that happened between two warring chiefs a thousand years ago through the, through song and chant and the dance of the spears and the winds that were blowing and the rains that were gusting, we remember that battle. 
right? So there's tools that we've used, and through that storytelling, the history of Hawaii was preserved. And it wasn't until the 1820s that the missionaries came to put our language onto paper so they could write a book. And I'm sure you can guess what book they were trying to publish, the Bible. Um, and that changed a lot of things. But storytelling is vitally important. And then, But a, another Hawaiian proverb that you know relates to that, that I cherish, it's one of my favorite Hawaiian proverbs, a'ohe pau ka'ike ikahalau ho'okahi. All knowledge is not taught in the same school. That's the English translation. And literally, it tells us to keep an open heart and an open Mm -hmm. mind because what you've learned, Celine, might be different from what I learned. But we're both both right in a sense. We both have value. And again, that's part of Lokahi, that harmony, right? That unity that you have something to add. I have something to add. We have our own seasonings to add to the stew, if you will, right? To make it taste more delicious, more ono. And so that to me is such an important, you know, accepting of people when I know that you've learned something differently from what I've learned, but I'm not going to discredit you for that. And you're not going to ideally discredit me. Let's share that with each other and gain more knowledge from each other. And that's how we grow as people, having an open mind and open heart to everything and then following your now, right? So looping that back in right. is following yeah. that gut reaction to because, because I will say this much, you know, the caveat to that, <clears throat> um, while we all learn differently, I was saying earlier, some people learn, I learned from a Hawaiian master and some people learn from YouTube. <laughs> so there is something to be said about the different schools of knowledge. So I'm not going to discredit, but at the same time, like, well, let's have a conversation, friend, about your YouTube learning with a lot yeah. of with sincerity. You know, with sincerity, with love, I would like to sit with you and share what I can. And that's kind of what the book is, right? It's, it's this opportunity to sit down after 20 plus years in the visual industry and 43 years on this planet, learning what I've learned and connecting dots and connecting with people, gui- being guided by my na'au and my ancestors. My grandmother was in the visitor industry back in the 1970s and 80s mm-hmm. as a tour guide. And... Yeah. She passed when I was 12 years old, so I never really got to talk with her about, you know, what that looked like. But I have stories embedded and things that I remember, but what a great place it was. And it's an industry where I can share these stories, where I can impart wisdom and knowledge, if you will, to a greater community. And um, I love doing that. But I love when people have their own stories and we connect. Because in that moment, we are sharing aloha with each other, that breath Right, it's not just the air literally in our lungs; it's the spoken word. The kinship. We yeah. breathe life into that, right? Right. Um, yeah. The kinship and friendship. Yes. Me, between people, um, when you just sit down and have a conversation with them, you know, and that's and that's kind of ho'oponopono ish. I mean, right? So yes, that it is. And connect with yeah. people. That's so vitally important. I don't think we do enough of it anymore. Yeah, we we really don't. I mean, loneliness is a really really big problem right now. In the modern world. So we need that sense of community and that, you know, coming together. One of our Hawaiian values that we talk about in the book is malama. Mm -hmm. Malama means to take care, to protect, to preserve. Malama, M-A-L-A-M-A, malama. And what I often share is when I I share that value is we have to learn to malama ourselves. First and foremost, to your point, you have to take care of yourself. You have to brush your teeth. You have to... Take care of your finances. You have to eat so that you have to drink enough water, right? So that you can then malama your friends and family, 
And that's kind of, you know, the analogy I use, which is kind of funny, but when you're on the airplane, the gas mask. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Put it on yourself before your children, because if you're not breathing, you can't help your child. Right. But it's a a good analogy that when once we can mom up ourselves and really take care of ourselves in a good way, culturally, spiritually, physically, in any way you need, then we can malama each other. And then the bigger idea is that we can malama honua, malama this earth we live on together. Mm -hmm. Malama Hawaii, malama our Hawaii, malama the the dream catcher audience where we all malama each other, right? So it's a, you know, you do that for your audience every day, but it's an important value to like aloha and others um, that we talk about. Another one, just sorry, kuleana is another one that kuleana means... um, responsibility that I have a kuleana to be here this morning with you um, that Chronicles asked me to be here. So I'm happy to be here, but it also means privilege. I feel privileged to be able to sit with you this morning. So the Hawaiian value encompasses both words, meaning I get to, and I have to, right? When you look at your responsibility as I get to versus I have to, it takes on a different feeling. And so I, I, I have this kuleana to myself, to malama mm-hmm. myself. I have a privilege to take care of myself so that I can then impart aloha <clears throat> with my family and friends. And when we each do that, we just begin connecting with each other in ways we never expected, you know? Mm. So that's what I hope we can impart from Hawaii, because another question that we asked all our, of all our interviewees wasn't just, um, what does aloha mean to you? That was number one. <clears throat> but number two is, what is one lesson that Hawaii can teach the rest of the world? Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and there's a lot of lessons yeah. You know, and um, so each one of them had a different thing to share, uh-huh. but that was some of it. Some of it was that kind of a thing, malama, kuleana, these Hawaiian values, ohana, family, right? That these values that we learned in Lilo and Stitch, ohana means yeah. family, you yes. know, but these <laughs> yeah. things that are so profoundly deep and important and connecting for each other. So, yeah, I'm excited it's- to be able to impart this with the world. Yeah. And I mean, so honorable, so much depth. I, I just love it. And I'm curious, do are there any native Hawaiians that still live like the way they used to centuries ago? Like, do they still preserve the same way of living or is everything like modernized now? No, I love it. Um, yeah, there are people who continue to uh, fish um, in the Hawaiian, uh, you know, throw net and Hawaiian aquaculture, um, people who continue to farm in the Hawaiian way, people who continue to practice hula um, in the ancient way, people who continue to speak the language, even though it's outlawed in a sense, their family still spoke it. They, they found a way to still speak it. Um, well, they may still have a nine to five job, though. Some, you know, some will still go to work, you know, and then they still practice. And then some are able to, you know, come back to the land. You know, they were able to, I have friends who went to high school, we went to high school together. They went on to get their MBAs in business. Then they came home and they were like, I don't want to work in an office. I want to give back to the land. I want to give back to my people. And they work, a, they don't work. They love, they live, right? They don't work, they live. They go out and they toil in the in the mud, raising really? taro or taro. They go out and they, 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 they you know, for, to feed people, they go out to the fish ponds, the Hawaiian fish ponds, and they rebuild the ancient fish pond walls so that we can feed people. I mean, so there's, there's people out there who do live a lifestyle of strictly on the land, off the grid. Um, I mean, we are, again, a state uh, with 
what do we have? 1.6 million people, 80% live on the island I live on, Oahu, where Honolulu is, where Waikiki is, where Pearl Harbor is for geography's sake. Um, and one of our goals is to get out to the land. You know, one of our goals, my goal is, you know, every Sunday morning, my family, we go to the beach. And it's not just, a, oh, fun, play in the sand. It's, a, it's time for us as family to reconnect with our ancestors. Salt is life, right? That salt water is healing. That sun, that vitamin D that we need on our skin is healing. I mean, of course, we have SPF 50 on. Um, but it's healing to be outside. It's healing to be together. Um, so we're not doing something that might be considered, a, you know, we're not farming or fishing um, in that sense, but we're doing something our ancestors did was enjoying family time and having that pause, hitting that pause button to be together and, and you know, digging holes in the sand with my three-year-old and, and swimming with her and just in reconnecting with, with Mother Earth and, and our natural elements, you know. And so we all have to find time, I think, to reconnect, disconnect to reconnect, if you will, you know, from this, this world that we live in that is just so electronic and sterile and, and yeah. get outside. That's very therapeutic, actually, connecting with the earth, yeah. uh, you know, staying still and practicing mindfulness, essentially. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And speaking of, we talked about a lot of people do visit Hawaii. I mean, tourism yeah. is huge. And one of the things you talked about in the book is about the concerns that you have and your people have about yeah. over tourism. And, you know, for those who, who do travel to Hawaii frequently or who want to visit Hawaii in the future, like what are some of the things that they should keep in mind to be more respectful um, of the culture and, uh, no. You know, not do anything to further damage the already all the already fragile ecosystem. Yeah, thank you. And and you know, when we wrote Island Wisdom. We didn't mean it to be a travel book. Uh, I didn't anyway, but it became one in the sense that what we're trying to impart is information um, ideas that are for when you travel in general, not just to Hawaii. We use Hawaii as the example, but when you travel in general, look but don't touch, tread lightly take only pictures, those kinds of things. But the message for Hawaii that's really for, for us here is that Hawaii is not your playground. Hawaii is my home. So when you look at it from that, you shift the perspective that you're coming into somebody's home, you travel differently. You think differently. For example, you know, when you come into a home in Hawaii, we have a lot of Asian influence um, from the sugar and pineapple immigrants, etc. Um, so we don't wear footwear in the home. Um, and so when you come into my home, take your shoes off, but you're welcome to come in my home. So what we're doing is you're setting parameters to say you're welcome to be here, but I have some rules I'd like you to uh, respect in, you know, in my home. And again, I use that home analogy because I this is my home office, but using this home analogy um, to, to Hawaii. Or again, to anywhere you go, <clears throat> because you can't say, how would you treat your home? You know, treat your home, excuse me, treat somebody else's home like you would treat yours because you wear shoes at home in your home. I don't. So don't do it that same way because you have to look at it when you're traveling somewhere, understanding those people, taking a moment to understand the place you're about to go to, what are their values, what are their philosophies? Um, that's a lot, you know, if you will, but Take a minute to learn more about it. When you get to a place, take a minute and go check out a museum, learn more about the native culture, 
you're going to come away with a much deeper appreciation once you've stepped out of the Iolani Palace, which is a museum today, when you understand that Hawaii was the monarchy. Oh, what? You know, you just, you know, even go to Pearl Harbor. You're going to walk away like, oh, I had, you know, I, you just come away with a different understanding. So again, Hawaii is our home is really the message that we try to convey now and not your playground. But you're welcome to come to my home. It's just, it's my home. It's a beautiful home. That's why everyone wants to go there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But when you yeah. shift that mentality, it yeah. changes the experience for for both resident and visitor. Or we hope it. We hope we're, we're shifting in general. That wearing wearing my visitors bureau hat. That is the shift we're trying to make. And then things like volunteerism, we're creating more opportunities for re- visitors to come and give back. You know, yeah. visit. You know, connecting nonprofits with the re- the visitors so that they can go help clean a farm, you know, go pull weeds at a taro patch and rebuild that ancient fish pond wall with my classmate from high school, you know, reconnecting with them, with the place. And so once they're here and they're in the mud with my, with my friends, they're like, Oh, this is more than my ties and, and Moana. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> you know, it's all yeah. of it, but, it, but yeah, when you begin, and again, we use Hawaii as the example, but we encourage everyone to think beyond the stereotype of what you've learned about a place, no matter where yes. you travel to. And then you immerse yourself differently. You travel differently or you don't travel at all because you might realize, oh, I shouldn't visit that place right now. They're still recovering from something. They're struggling with something. Maybe I'll travel later. Maybe I'll donate to a cause online, help them out and travel next year. Because I you have that. a moment to connect with yeah. that place. So take a moment. Yeah, so becoming a more conscious an empathetic visitor wherever you go. Human being. I mean, you know, we, human we being, live yeah. On this planet, you know, and um, do unto others kind of idea too. But yeah, really, the empathy thing is missing globally in so many ways. And really, people just paused and like that aloha idea. Like if we connect and we have that connection through through love and patience and caring and whatever. No, we're going to have a good time. I mean, we're going to get to know each other. We're going to, we're going to respect the place. We're going to travel differently. We're going to, it's just so different. You know, when you, when you take that, that moment to pause and think about something. Yeah. And that sort of attitude comes from the Hawaiian philosophy, right? Yeah. A lot of that for us that, you know, again, it's it's a word that we use often, but aloha is that, you know, another word that comes to mind is mahalo, which literally translates to thank you, mahalo, when you give me, it means thank you, but it also on a deeper level means respect. Mm. Thank you for doing that thing for me, I have respect for you. And in the Hawaiian language, there's nothing that means you're welcome Mm -hmm. because I did that for you. And this is not a reciprocal bartering kind of concept because that's Western, but I did this thing for you with the understanding that someday you'll do something for me. And it's not a quid pro quo. It's not a scratch your back, scratch mine kind of idea. It's just this given, like, I'm going to do good for you because in our philosophy, in our mindset, you're going to do good for me because we think the same. We do the same, right? So there's no way, no reason to say you're welcome because thank you. Yep, I got you. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll, you, you gave me some fish because our family needed some fish. I got some taro and some banana I'm growing up. Yeah, I'll come by tomorrow and drop some off. Not, it's just this like connection again between people that we're here together on this one island earth that we have. We don't have any other plan, plan B backup earth to go live on. 
So let's take care of it together. Let's let's take care of our resource resource management in Hawaii. We had a million people living here before Western contact. We had no unemployment, no homelessness. Everybody had food in their belly and a place to sleep at night because we took care of our resources and we took care of each other. Aloha is the answer. Hawaii has a, Hawaii has a lot of the answers to questions that the rest of the world is asking right now. They just have to know where to look and who to ask. Wow. It seems like Hawaii is like the microcosm of the utopian world, what the rest of the world should be like. Yeah. And you know, we look at like the volcano, for example, we look yeah. at that as the umbilical cord to Mother Earth. Yeah. She is giving birth to life here in these islands. Yeah. That is our connection to Mother Earth. So in some cases, that belly button or pico is the center of the planet, Hawaii. Where can people learn more about like the mythology and about all the gods and goddesses of Hawaii? We do talk about a lot of it in Island Wisdom, actually. So okay. it's in the book. I took that on the journey because it's important. Because again, we have a whole chapter on storytelling. That mo'olelo, that passing down of knowledge. For example, the birth of the first man uh, in mythology, um, the, where the volcanoes come from, the idea of fresh water, spring water, and, and, the, and the gift of hospitality. Um, it's all there. And that's why I agreed to this book, because a lot of books that talk about that Hawaiian mythology are written by Hawaiians for Hawaiians. And so they're hard to, without having a foundational knowledge of Hawaiian language and history, a lot of these books, I mean, written here locally by local publishers and whatnot, which are, I love, I have a library right above me that hundreds of books right here that are full of that stuff, but it's really hard to grasp those ideas. Um, I could share with you a book list if you want, though, um, beyond yeah. Island Wisdom. I mean, again, Island Wisdom is, you know, is got it's a, a good lot place of, to start. So, yeah, I mean, if people really are interested in learning more, um, I'm sure. The layman term, you know, yeah. connecting the values and, and really, yeah. yeah, I think that's a, Island Wisdom is a good place to start. And that's a not a horrible thing. That's just the truth. It's That's why we put that into the books to help people understand yes. uh, that information. So it's there. Great. All right, Kainoa, thank you so much. It's been so wonderful talking to you and learning about your traditions and your values. I mean, it's been so enlightening. Thank you. My, I really enjoyed this time and I look forward to people being able to learn more about the place I come from because I feel honored and blessed to be able to call Hawaii my home ancestrally and now, um, you know, and look forward to be, you know, whenever I chat with my cousins, Hawaiian cousins who live on the U.S. continent, I tell them whenever you come home, they're not, they don't live here, but when I say whenever you come to Hawaii, Hawaii is not a tourist vacation spot for you. It's a place the bones of your ancestors are buried, you know, and that connection to the earth and that connection to the place. And they're like, oh, I said, yeah, you can come play tourists for a minute, but you come home and recharge that battery, you know, and that's what Hawaii is for people. And, and we, um, we welcome people, but again, it's not our, it's not your playground. It's our home. So come and come with Aloha. Really. Oh, yeah. We'll share now, ours with you. Come with your own. I'm definitely visiting. I'm definitely visiting. My, my parents <laughs> actually, uh, they visited in the 80s and they had such amazing things to say about it. But yeah, I'm definitely heading there soon Excellent. after speaking with you. So yeah. I just want to let right. everyone know about your book, Island Wisdom, Hawaiian Traditions and Practices for a Meaningful Life. It will be available next month at the end of October, yep. wherever books yep. are sold. Yep. Yep. It'll right. be out October 25th. And we're very excited and my first book. So 
Thanks for your support, everyone. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kainoa. And I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day. Mahalo. Thank you so much. The sun is fully up now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.